0: Anytime you build anything, you can build well or you can build poorly. And so we want to make sure that we're building the right way and we need to make sure that we're doing the right things because a good strong house doesn't just happen. You have to have the right attitudes and the right actions to build well. And if you're going to build well, you need wisdom. You need to understand the wise approach to building. You can be a foolish builder or you can be a wise builder when it comes to your house and to your family and to your household. And, of course, we want to be wise builders. And so today I'm going to share with you over the next few moments three things that will help us to understand how to become wiser in the way that we build. Three important things to Remember, the first thing very simply is this. We have to remember that God wants to bless and God wants to build your house. But for your house to be blessed, it has to be built the right way. It has to be built by God. The writer of Psalms reminds us of this in Psalm 127, verse number one. It says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work, the work of the builders is wasted unless the Lord protects a city. Guarding it with sentries will do no good. Notice that first line again. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. So when it comes to a house that is blessed, a house is blessed when it's a house that God builds. And we're all building a house, but we're building either with God or without God. Jesus references this as well in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Very powerful statement as a part of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the great teachings that Jesus gave us. And he says now in verse 24 of Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So one is building on the rock and one is building on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I want you to note the difference between a God-built house and a man-built house. A God-built house and a man-built house may look very similar from the externals. You look at them and say, well, they look like basically the same kind of house, same kind of household. But you'll only know what what a house really is made of when the storms come. You will only know what a house is made of when the rain comes down and the wind begins to blow against it because only the God-built house, the house built upon a rock is going to last. And I will tell you that storms come to every house. Every house will be beat against by the storms of life at some point in time. You cannot avoid your house being beat against, but you can avoid your house being destroyed if it is a a God-built house. Is your house being built by you or is your house being built by God? Here's the second thing to remember. God's blessings on your house starts with God's presence in your house. You cannot have God's blessings on your house if God's presence is not in your house. God cannot bless or help build your house unless he's present there. You can't, a builder can't build without being on the building site. If a builder is going to build a house, he has to be present to actually construct the house. You can't build from a distance. And the same is true when it comes to God building and blessing your house. He has to be present in your house. He has to be wanted in your house. He has to be welcomed in your house. He has to be worshiped in your house. And when you want him there and you welcome him there, and when you worship him in your house, I promise you that he shows up there with blessing. Every time God shows up, there's all, always blessing. Every time God shows up, there's always a building. There's always something constructive that will happen in your life and blessing that will come in your life. There's an example of this in the old Testament that I want to take you to in just a moment in second Samuel chapter six, but it deserves a little bit of history. So you'll appreciate the story that unfolds here. There was a time in Israel's history when they'd fallen away from God. They were no longer effectively serving God and they found themselves in a battle with the Philistines, which was often the case. But the Philistines had come against them again, and so here's Israelite trying to fight the Philistines, and they were not successful in the battles. And finally, somebody says, you know what we need to do? Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, and let's take the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle, and let's take it into the onto the battlefield with us, so maybe God will help us if we have the Ark there with us. Not a very wise idea we were trying to use the ark as some kind of magical element so that they could win the war, but they made this decision to take this precious, wonderful ark of the covenant, which represented the presence of God, into battle with them. Well, because their hearts were not right with God and because they were doing something out of the wrong reasons, they did not succeed in the battle. And worse than that, the ark was captured by the Philistines. The Philistines took the ark into their territory, and over a period of time, started having all kinds of terrible things happen to them. And so finally they said, we're going to send this ark thing back. We don't want it in our place, okay? We're going to send it back to Israel again so they can have it. And so the ark came back to Israel and they needed a place for it to rest until they could get it back to its proper place again. And before I go further, it's extremely important that you understand this. The ark of the covenant in the Old Testament represented the presence of God in Israel. So they bring the ark back to Israel and it has to remain somewhere until they get it back to its rightful place for the worship. And so they put it in the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. Now let me me read for you the story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 11. What happened when the ark came to Obed-Edom's house? What happened when the presence of God came to Obed-Edom's house. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Isn't this amazing? That when God showed up in his presence, the ark of the covenant in Obed-Edom's house, all he could see around him was blessing. His crops started growing like they'd never grown before. His wife was nicer to him than he, she had ever been before. Okay? His kids actually obeyed him when, they, when he gave some instructions to him. I mean, things were just going so well. Why? Because the presence of God was in the house of Obed-Eden. Dear ones, let me tell you something. Amazing things will happen in your house when God is present in your house. I mean, make a distinction here. You might say, well, I thought God was present everywhere. He is. He's the omnipresent God. We understand that. There's not a place God isn't. God is everywhere. He's the omnipresent God. You can't go anywhere where God isn't. However, there's not only the omnipresence of God, there's something the Bible teaches us that is the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is God, when God shows up in an environment. You can sense and know that God's at work in a place, God's at work in a person. So yes, God is everywhere and we acknowledge that, but I want to know not, not just that God is everywhere, I want to know that God is living in my environment with me in a manifest way. I'm seeing the blessing of God on my life. So how do we get this presence of God like Obed-Edom experienced? How do we experience this in our life? How do you get God's presence in your life? Let me share with you six things that will help facilitate this. This is not a formula. I want you to use six things that will facilitate this in your life. Number one, you need to know that you need God. So we welcome the presence of God by acknowledging that we need Him and second of all, by passionately pursuing Him. God, because I need you, I'm going after you. You're the top number one passion of my life. Number one passion in your life needs to be, I'm passionate to know God. I'm passionate to have God at work in my life. Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because those are the ones that will be filled. You'll find God when you have a hunger and a thirst for God. You passionately pursue him. Number three, do you want God in your house? You've got to be thankful for everything that he does for you. First Thessalonians five eighteen: give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you want God's presence in your house? You've got to be a thankful person, a person of gratitude, a person of praise. Number four, you need to represent him well. In your house, you need to live in ways that are consistent with God's will and God's ways because God likes to hang out with people who, who are representing him well, that are trying to live an appropriate kind of life. So you can't live any old way and expect God to hang out with you. If you want God to hang out with you, you've got to be the kind of person that God likes to hang out with that are representing his nature, representing his character, that your home environment, you're structuring it in such a way that, that you, you're you representing the presence of God in your home. Look at John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, if your house is filled with strength, and fighting and contention and bitterness and anger and grudges and all those kind of things. Do you think that's attractive to God? Of course it's not. But if your home is filled with love and kindness and mercy and grace and forgiveness and all the attributes of the love of God as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, do you think God is attracted to that kind of an environment? Of course he is because it's representative of who he is. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Make sure it doesn't get in your heart because it it shuts down the flow of God's grace. Don't let bitterness in your life. The fifth thing, do you want God's presence in your house? If you want God's presence in your house, you have to build what God is building. I have learned and continue to learn over the years, if I will build what God is building, God will build what needs to be built in my life. If I will build God's house, God will build my house. In the book of Haggai, there's a story that unfolds here for us that again requires just a little bit of history. The history is this, the children of Israel had been in Babylonian captivity and they came back to rebuild the temple again after Cyrus had let them uh, uh, return back home. And so they went back to Jerusalem for the rebuilding of the temple and they laid the foundation of the temple under the uh, folks like Ezra and those kind of individuals. So the temple foundations had been laid. But after the temple foundations had been restored, the, the people of Judah lost interest in building God's house. And so they started building their own houses. They left the, the foundations. Yeah, they were there, but nothing else happened. And so they started building their own houses and concerned with their own stuff. And over a period of years, literally a couple of decades passed and nothing had been done with the foundations of the temple. There were weeds growing up because nobody had done anything to rebuild the temple. However, they were building their houses. And so God raised up a prophet by the name of Haggai. And I want you to notice how God speaks to them about this very important issue. Of not building what he wants built. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. You're saying, hey, it's not time to do this. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai Why are you living? Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets with, filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. God says, look, you've neglected building my house. You've been building your house and you're working hard, but it seems like your crops aren't doing all that well. And you're putting your money into pockets with holes in it. I want you to notice what's happening. Something's wrong with this picture. What's wrong? And then he gives them the answer in verse number eight. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild what? Whose house? He says, stop focusing on your house right now. And I want you to rebuild my house. I want you to pay attention to my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored says the Lord. So God's saying, I want you to take care of my house. If you'll take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. Matthew six thirty three. Why don't you read it together with me where Jesus made this very poignant statement, powerful statement as well, emphasizing this point. Let's read. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What are you to seek first? His kingdom, his righteousness. Do you want God's presence in your house? The last thing I'll mention here in this section is you have to build spiritual boundaries around your house. There is a spiritual enemy seeking to invade your house. The Bible is very clear. There's an enemy, an arch enemy of God that wants to wreak havoc in your life as a follower of Christ. And we're to be aware of his devices, not ignorant of them. And we're to fight battles against him. And one of the ways that we do that is by building spiritual boundaries around our house. This is illustrated with the story of Joshua when he took over from Moses to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. After Moses died, God speaks to Joshua and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into this land. I want you to lead my people into the land of promise so they can build their houses there and they can have a blessed life. And notice how God speaks to Joshua very clearly about what he was to do in Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Moses, my servant is dead. God's talking to Joshua. Now then you, you, Joshua, and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Would you read verse 3 together with me? I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So God says, I want you to go into the land, Joshua, and I want you to start walking through the land. I want you to put your foot down. Everybody say, put your foot down. You ever heard that phrase before? I'm putting my foot down. What does that mean? It means I'm making a declaration. I'm establishing something firmly. I am putting my foot down. Well, God says, Joshua, I want you to put your foot down, set your foot down in the land. And when you set your foot down in the land, you're declaring these enemies are going to be driven out because this is God's country. We're taking this as God's territory. And I will tell you that in your house, you need to start putting your foot down against the adversary and say, no, this is not the enemy's territory. This is God's territory. My house belongs to God is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Listen to James, what he says here in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. So give yourselves humbly to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Do you want God's presence in your house? If you want God's presence in your house, you need to do those things that that will let him know that you want him there, that you... Welcome him there and that he is worshiped there. The final point I'll give you today God's blessings on your house happens when you build with his wisdom his way. There are different ways to build a house. You can you can do it the cheap way. You can take shortcuts or you can do it the smart way. Have you ever tried to build something or create something and you decided to do it the cheap way? And the old saying applies, pay me now or pay me later. Because when you do it the cheap way and when you do it the shortcut way, it's not going to last. And there are a lot of people who are building their house the cheap way, They're, their house the shortcut way. They're building their house in a way that really doesn't represent what can last with longevity. Matthew 7, 24 and 25, listen again to what Jesus says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It was built wisely. It was not built cheaply. It was not built quickly. It was built upon the rock. Somebody took some time to do it the right way. They built with wisdom. So to have a strong house, you have to build with wisdom. Proverbs 24, 3. A house is built by Wisdom and become strong through good sense, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. So you've got to build with wisdom. Now that means you've got to know what's wise and what is foolish. Not all information is wisdom. There's a lot of information that's not very wise. Paul said in Romans 12, too: don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy it. So we need wisdom, wisdom from God. So, how do you get wisdom from God? I'm gonna give you three simple things. We'll cover it very quickly. The first thing you have to you got you have to have in place in your life. You got to want it. You got to want wisdom. You'll never get wisdom if you don't want it. You got to want. You got to desire it. Proverbs one, one and two is Solomon is describing this whole sequence of proverbs that he's going to provide. Thirty one chapters. He reminds him, reminds those that will read of why he wrote this. Inspired by the spirit here are kingdom revelations, words to live by and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life. I like that, don't you? I want to be empowered to reign in life written as Proverbs by Israel's King Solomon, David's son. Within these sayings, this word of God, within these, these sayings, these words of God will be found the revelation of wisdom and the impartation of spiritual understanding. Use them as... Keys to unlock the treasures of true knowledge. Proverbs 4, 7, and 8, the beginning of wisdom is this: get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honor you. James 1:5. If anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You will never have wisdom unless you want. Wisdom from God. And second of all, you'll never have wisdom unless you learn it. What I mean by that is this you don't learn by experience. A lot of people say, I, I learn this by experience. You never learn anything by experience, you learn by reflecting on your experiences. See the difference? Just because you experience something doesn't mean you learned anything. It's only when you reflect on your experience that you learn something. I know people who've been in a job for 20 years. They would like to say they have 20 years of experience. In reality, they don't. They only have one year of experience 20 times. Because they never reflected on anything. They've never really grown in their job. They've never developed. They're still at really year one, although they've been around for 20 and so you never learn without wanting to learn. You can get the information, you can get the the the, the wisdom coming your way, but you've gotta learn it. Learning is intrinsic to the student. And so you will only learn if there's this, I want wisdom, and now I'm going to learn. I'm going to apply myself to getting what I need to get. See, there are tremendous resources available, but you've got to learn it. You've got to go after it. There has to be a hunger in your heart to learn. Proverbs 19, verse number 8, do yourself a favor and love wisdom. Learn all you can, then watch your life flourish and prosper. Then number three, the third thing, if you're going to have wisdom, you have to live it. Put it into practice. You live to learn and you learn as you live. You learn from your failures and you learn from your mistakes. You learn from your successes if you reflect upon them. But you begin to live this stuff out. Proverbs 4, 17, or excuse me, Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. And let me conclude with where we started today in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Listen closely. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... And puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let's stop there for a moment. Jesus said, let me tell you about the wise man who built his house on the rock. These are the characteristics he possessed. He heard these words of mine, but he also did something else. He put them into practice. See, there are a lot of people that will hear the word, but they never put it into practice there are other people that try to practice stuff but they don't have the right information. Okay. And so you need both of these things to have wisdom. And so when you and I hear the word, then we go home and say, let me see what I can start doing with this. Let me put it into practice. Let me me start exercising this thing. I know that the pastor talked about getting right in our relationships this week. God talked about us loving one another. Let's get rid of our bitterness in our house. Let's forgive one another. Let's put this into practice. Let's not just hear the word. Let's be doers of the word. We not only hear it, but we put it into practice. God says, there's a wise person right there. wisdom they heard it and they put it into practice and now they're building their house upon the rock and he goes on to say that when the wind and the rains come and beat against the house it's not going to fall because it's built on the rock what have we learned today we've learned that number one God wants to bless and God wants to build your house and if God's going to bless and build your house God has to be present in your house there are things that you can do that will allow you to attract the presence of God to your house And that as God is present in your house, he wants to instruct you in things that will make you wise, that you will hear and that you will do so that your house can be built upon the rock.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life. please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.